0: 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. Prayer Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves. The Christ in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord rescues them from them all. He keeps all their bones, not one of them will be broken.
1: Reading the Word First reading Joshua chapter 24 Joshua gathered. All the tribes of Israel to shake him, and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, "Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel: Long ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons," Abraham, and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates and saved other gods. Now, if you are unwilling to save the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to save other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And who did those great signs? In our sight, he protected us along all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed, and the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God.
2: Second reading, Ephesians chapter 5. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord. For the husband is the head to the wife, just as Christ is the head to the church, the body of which he is the Saviour. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy by cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. So as to present the church to himself in splendor, without a spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind. Yes, so that she may be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own body, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it. Just as Christ does for the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I am applying it to Christ and the church.
0: Gospel, John chapter 6. When many of Jesus' disciples heard his words, they said, This teaching is difficult. We can accept it. But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. But among you, there are some who do not believe. For Jesus Knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One from God.
1: Hearing the Word Reaching for Divine Nourishment Over the last four Sundays, we have followed the Bread of Life discourse and reflected on the theme of the Divine Nourishment. This Sunday concludes this discourse with an appeal to reach for and accept the life-giving Divine Nourishment. The first reading describes the Israelites as they begin life in the promised land. Their long desert journey and the conquest are complete. Addressing the people, Joshua makes it no secret that Abraham, their ancestor, was originally a worshiper of pagan gods. However, he was chosen to become the forefather of God's people. Now his descendants stand in the land of milk and honey, their land. But this was the land they share with non-Israelites who followed their own gods and customs. The gods these people worshipped were believed to provide fertility, abundant rains, and prosperity. The Israelites who were mainly farmers, would face constant temptation to worship these nature gods rather than the God who brought them up from Egypt. In this context, Joshua asked for a decision intended to clarify the people's identity and loyalty. Whom do they want to save? Sparred by the example of their leader, and memories of Exodus, the Israelites unequivocally declare loyalty to their God. This implies that they will continue to rely on God to sustain them as they did during the desert years. Their nourishment and sustenance as the nation was to be loyalty and obedience to the one God who has proven himself loyal to them throughout their long and difficult history. The author of Ephesians continues to discuss Christian identity, this time focusing on family life. Greco-Roman society had a rigid, patriarchal structure. The man was the head of the household and had absolute authority over all its members. All were accountable to him while he was accountable to no one. In this patriarchal system, there was no concept of equality and little or no attention was paid to the dignity and rights of women. Today's passage has been viewed by some misguided Christians as supporting this unjust patriarchal structure. In fact, the exact opposite is true. Paul challenges and undermines the very foundation of the patriarchal system. In a society where women were considered their husband's property, the words of Ephesians sound like a true revolution. Yes, Paul upholds authority of the husband over the wife, but not because it is the husband's right. Rather, the wife accepts the husband's authority on religious grounds, out of reverence for the Lord. This arrangement follows the logic of the relationship between Christ and the Church. Christ is the head of the church and has authority over it, but he is also its savior. How did Christ become the savior? He did so by offering himself, his very life, for the church. Here lies the revolutionary element in Paul's teaching. The husband, who had no formal obligations towards the wife, is now obliged to show the same love for the wife as Christ showed to the church. Such demand represents a very different understanding of the marital relationship. The husband is obliged to exercise his authority through self-sacrificial love that resembles that of Christ. In reality, He he is to become a servant. In the author's view, what nourishes and sustains the Christian family is the unrestricted and profound love of the husband for the wife to the point of self-sacrifice. Such exercise of authority sustains the family. The wife responds to the husband's sacrificial love through loyalty and commitment, thus manifesting her love. They nourish each other in the same way that Christ nourishes his church, through his love manifested on the cross and continuing presence and guidance.
2: The people who heard and finally understood what Jesus meant by eating his body and drinking his blood so his teaching is difficult and impossible to follow. As we saw last Sunday, union with Jesus is not a matter of words, but of offering oneself in self-sacrificial service to others. Many of his disciples complained because they were not pleased with such views. To confirm the reliability of his words, Jesus speaks of his ascent to heaven, whence he came. He descended from heaven, bringing a revelation and teaching that can be trusted. His resurrection and return to the heavenly world will provide further confirmation that his words and teaching are true. They are spirit and life. His words are spirit in the sense that they offer guidance for those who believe them. They are life because their implementation leads to eternal life. To hear the words of Jesus and have a chance to respond to them is a grace given by God. But such grace needs acceptance. Judas chose to reject Jesus and his words, as did many other disciples who abandoned Jesus at this point. They were unable to accept the implications of consuming Jesus' body and blood. The twelve decided to remain and abide in him. Peter, on behalf of the group, explained the reason for their choice. They accepted that eternal life can only be reached by following Jesus and his teaching on the Eucharist and on sacrificial love. Jesus, in the words of Peter, has the words of eternal life. They also recognize that Jesus came from God as the Holy One. This implies that His words have divine authority and can be trusted. The Twelve made a difficult choice, but the right choice. The Bread of Life discourse contains a magnificently constructed portrayal of the journey towards eternal life. It begins with the experience of God's graciousness in most ordinary ways, such as being fed with food for the body. Jesus did just that for the crowds. This initial sign leads to seeking something greater, life that surpasses bodily needs and the concerns of this world. To reach this greater life, one needs the nourishment provided by Jesus. This nourishment is the Eucharist offered to believers and a life of sacrificial love lived in a Jesus-like manner. The Eucharistic union provides the necessary strength, the nourishment needed for the journey towards heaven, which leads along the path of self-sacrificial service. Today's liturgy concludes the five Sunday long sequence of readings from John's Gospel with a motivating appeal to make a choice. Like the Israelites at Shechem, who had to choose between the true God and local idols, Christians must decide for or against abiding with Jesus, through the Eucharist. This also implies a decision whether they are willing to live out the same self-sacrificing love as he did. If chosen, the love compels them to adjust their lifestyles accordingly. Paul demanded just such a turning to love from the husbands in the Ephesian community in defiance of the social norms of his time. Those who decide for Jesus and his ways as their nourishment for life will be able to rightly claim with the psalmist. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad.
0: Listening to the Word of God as we conclude our reflection on the bread of life discourse, we are presented with stories of people in transition. Israelites are setting in a new land after a long desert journey. Christians in the Ephesian community are challenged to alter their understanding of the relationship between husbands and wives. The followers of Jesus must decide how to respond to Jesus' difficult statements on the bread of life. Just like these biblical characters, we journey through life and frequently find ourselves making transitions. Our bodies change. Our knowledge and thinking develops. Our relationships strive or dissolve. Our faith and zeal grow stronger or weaker. Our commitments and loyalties shift. Amidst this constant change, one thing remains firm and constant. God's presence, with, and commitment to us. God was with the Israelites during their desert crossing and accompanied them into a new land. God led the Ephesian Gentiles to join the Christian community. God brought the disciples to Jesus and allowed them to hear his voice. God's presence was and is constant amid the transitions and changes we all go through. Many of us treat changes and challenges as threats. We fear change because it demands that we stretch ourselves and adapt to new situations. This requires considerable effort, and more often than not, it is painful. In all three readings, people had to change and adopt to something entirely new. For some of them, this became an obstacle that led to falling away from God. Many disciples of Jesus abandoned him, and many of the Ephesian men did not join the church when they heard that they must love their wives with Christ like love. Learning from their example, we must avoid making the same mistakes. Every change and challenge, as difficult as it may be, offers new possibilities. It is good to think here of those who suffer from debilitating illnesses and disabilities. Some of them fall into bitterness and despair. Others become great athletes and participate in the Paralympic Games. They become champions. For some people, sinking into the depths of alcoholism and drug abuse results in death. But some rebound from the edge of darkness and become new people, radiating life and saving others by sharing their experiences. Some of us come close to losing faith when confronted with death of a loved one. We feel that God has let us down, while nothing can take the pain and the sense of loss away. These tragic circumstances force us to take new direction in our lives. The only changes and challenges that are harmful are those we try to hide or run away from. How do we find strength and guidance to respond to changes and transitions? We have to look for divine nourishment. According to today's readings, this nourishment lies in trusting God enough to place oneself under His loving authority. Being under the authority of God means that we do not bow down to any man-made God. We do not become slaves to anything such as alcohol, drugs, sex, Money or power. These things give us momentary illusions of greatness, but in fact they enslave us and take away our ability to control the direction of our lives. We also find divine nourishment through Jesus. We are free to accept his often difficult teaching on love and sacrifice or to go away. Reaching for divine nourishment is something which each person must do herself or himself. But the offer of this nourishment is always extended to us. Let us reach for it.
1: Even the best part Will not produce food
2: by itself. Action Self Examination What frightens me most and why? Are there any challenges and transitions that I have been running away from? What are they? Response to God I will nourish myself this week by faithful daily prayer and scripture reading. In all things, I will seek to respond positively to God and live under His authority. Response to Your World I will identify one particular weakness of my character and reflect on how I can heal it with the help of Jesus. And His teaching. As a group, have we been resistant to change and transformation? What are some questionable practices and difficult issues we have avoided addressing? We identify some of these and pray for divine strength and guidance to face them. Dear Lord, Make me put you first in all things and help me to always live in your loving presence. Strengthen me in faith as I journey through life and help to always reach for the right nourishment which only you and your Son can provide. Amen.